Let's turn in our Bibles, please, to the book of Luke. I wanted to do part three, the final part of my series on <clears throat> the vision and the mantle. Today, we've been doing three weeks, two weeks on it. This is the third. And so I want to just share some things about the life of Jacob today that I believe will be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. And uh, let's start with, um, let's start reading just a little bit here so you can see what Jesus went through when he was in the wilderness. Is that okay? Uh, and it's really Luke chapter 3. Praise God. Let's look at Luke 4. It's also in Matthew, but let's start with Luke. Are you with me? Luke chapter 4, and Jesus, verse 1, being filled of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Amen? He's at Jordan, the Holy Ghost comes on him, and he's led by the Spirit into the season, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Praise God for that promise. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command the stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered, answered him, saying, Remember, we answered the devil with our words. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What was that first temptation? Theologians call it the lust of the flesh. This is what his flesh needed. His body needed food. And he's tempting him with what his body needed. And Jesus overcame that. Amen. The devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power I will give thee. Remember, the Bible says that Satan is the God of this world. He, he, he runs this place. Praise God. Uh, I will give all the, uh, and, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever will I give it. Because he, Adam gave him the, the lease of the earth, so he runs it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Now what is this temptation called? The lust of the eyes. It's what you want. And so uh, he's, he's basically saying what, you, what your little beady eyes, remember? Remember what Brother John Osteen would say? You can't have everything your little beady eyes glare at. So what, what your little eyes want, the things that you want. I want this. See, he was offering, he was tempting him. See, you, you want this stuff, don't you? Look at all this power. Look at all this money. Look at all this glory. Look at all this wealth. Don't you want it? See, his eyes, that's the a temptation that comes to us is what our body, what our flesh wants, but also what our eyes, what our ambition wants. And how did Jesus answer the first one? With the word. No, he didn't just answer with the word. How did he overcome what the, what the flesh wanted? He said, I'm going to overcome the temptation of my flesh to eat. With what? With the submission to God's word. So how do you overcome what your body wants? Just get in the word. Amen. Yield to the word. The word will overcome things in your life that your body wants to dominate you on. How did he overcome what his eyes wanted? What the temptations of the things, the, the lust of the eyes. How did he overcome that? He overcame it with worship because he answered. And he said, if, if you'll worship me. And Jesus answered in verse 8 and said, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only will you serve. So how did he overcome the lust of all this stuff to accumulate? You know, there's nothing wrong with being blessed, but sometimes we... You know, the devil wants to tempt us with stuff that don't you want this, don't you want that, and wants to replace it with God. In other words, worship me. It's more important than God. God doesn't mind you having a nice house as long as you're not worshiping the house. Because Satan was saying you can have stuff, but worship me. So really when you 
When the stuff that you acquire, which is not wrong, if your desire and love and affection is on that more than it is on God, it's equivalent to worshiping the devil. Do you understand? And Jesus overcame that by saying, no, no, I worship God. So how do you say, how do I keep my motives pure when I'm, when I'm accruing stuff? Just stay in close worship with the Lord. As long as he's first, he don't mind you having a nice car. Just keep him first. Just keep worshiping him. Make sure that he's the number one and that you have the car. The car doesn't have you. Do you understand the difference? So you see another temptation. And then he brought him up to Jerusalem. Verse nine, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, he should not, he misquotes the Bible because the devil knows the Bible, but he also knows how to misquote it. He's twisting it. For it is written, he's quoting Psalm 91. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. He added the words, lest at any time. That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say lest at any time. If it said lest at any time, we could all just jump out of a plane and at any time, the angel will have to catch you. It doesn't say at any time. It's only at certain times when when, when it's approved by God. You can't test God and tempt God and push God and say, I'll do whatever I want and you have to do it at any time. You have to help me kind of attitude. So you see, he misquotes the word. Notice what the devil, he's crafty. He saw that Jesus answered him twice with the word. So he says, well, I'm going to answer you with the word. But he, he answers him with an inappropriate word. He twists the word. Now, what is this temptation called? We've had the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. This is called the pride of life. This is pride. Pride is what Satan fell with. He was jealous of God and he was proud. Look how beautiful I am. I deserve that throne. So pride is the oldest sin, pride and jealousy. Pride and jealousy, he's always trying to get people into, he tried to get Jesus into pride. Do you understand? He tried to get Jesus to say, uh, you know, you can test God, you can push God. You're you're the son of God. Do whatever you want. You see how, how powerful you are, Jesus? Do whatever you want. And God has to listen to you. The angels have to help you at any time you demand it. That's not, that's not the right heart. That's not humility. That's not the scripture. Angels will help us, but we've got to have the right heart. We've got to be according to the word, not with a proud attitude. So this pride of life obviously is simple. It's, so, it's solved with humility. Because what does Jesus say? Jesus answering him said unto him, uh, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Don't, don't push him. In other words, you don't, you're, my role is not to tempt and push God and challenge him. My role is to bow before him. You see what he's saying? My role is to submit. My role is humility and submission, not putting my thumb out at him and saying, you're going to do what I say, Father. So how do we overcome pride? And it's constantly working, trying to get into us, all of us, all of us. How do we overcome that? Humble yourself before God. Worship him and humble yourself before him and say, Father, my job is to submit, to submit to you and to submit to those that you have put in my life to help me. If you're a young person, that is your physical parent. Your job is to submit, not to get into pride. If you're an adult, your job is still to submit to those like your pastor and others that God puts your boss at work. They may be secular, but he still put them in your life. So, and you'll find pretty quick, if you don't submit to them, you won't work there much longer. And if you don't submit to me, I'll kick you out of the church. Because I'm not interested in growing this church. I'm interested in making a strong church. God's job is to grow it. You got a problem with the size, talk to Jesus because he said, I'll build my church. He didn't tell me to build my church. He doesn't author church growth seminars. He authors teaching people and feeding them the word, making them strong in the power of his might. He'll add, he'll draw, he'll divinely connect, divine joinings. He'll do that. 
I, I want strong people. I'm not just looking for large numbers of people. Praise God. Now, we're, I believe large numbers will come, but, but we have to have the foundation strong and our hearts have to be pure that the reason we're in this, Greg, is not to just get a mega church, although that might be the end result. The reason we're in this is with the right motive. The motive is to feed the sheep and make strong believers that know the walk of the Spirit. That's what we're after. If more people want that, then let them come. But my job is not to try to make the church large. My job is to make the church strong. You don't find one scripture old or new where it tells the shepherd to grow the sheepfold. You find verses that say the shepherd is to feed, guide, and protect, but never to grow. So how does a sheepfold grow? They have baby sheep. Taylor, write some notes. They have baby sheep. They're called lambs. So how do we grow? Well, people hear about us, yes. But also you tell people about Jesus. They come and join the church as a new believer and the church grows. Praise God. But my job as a shepherd isn't to grow up. My job is to feed. Hallelujah. So let's just get that straight. So Jesus goes through these temptations and the devil ended all the temptation and he departed from him for a season. Now the Amplified said he stand, stood off for him for a time, waiting for a more opportune time to strike. The devil's very smart. Don't, don't, I know people talk about him like he's so stupid. But even Michael the archangel, which is the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest angel in heaven, even Michael, didn't bring a railing accusation against them. So some of these preachers that talk about him like he's a dimwit, they should watch their mouth. Because if even Michael doesn't dare insult Satan because he recognizes that he has a measure of power, uh, I don't think even though we're in Christ, we just need to use, you, you know what I'm saying? We're not afraid of him, but he's a worthy adversary. I'm not giving him any credit that he doesn't, doesn't deserve, but he's a worthy adversary. Jesus didn't mock him. Jesus answered him. Do you understand? And so we got to be careful in our flippant attitude about the kingdom of darkness sometimes because people that act that way and talk that way, they just don't know anything about it. People that know about it are very cautious what they say. Not out of fear, but you have a, you, there's a certain respect for your enemy and, uh, and, and, and even God expects that. Not, not, not to be cavalier about things that are spiritual. Do you understand? I don't know why I'm saying that, but anyway. Uh, so he ends because he's crafty. He's strategic. He stands off for a season watching. He's waiting for that opportunity. So obviously, Jesus was going to have times where there was an opportunity to strike. Jesus might have woken up because he's a man. He might have woken up tired one day. Somebody might have hurt his feelings one day. And, he's, and he's, he's never, he never sinned, but he's going through. He's processing that walk of the spirit, that love walk, that forgiveness walk, different things. And the devil knows when you're weak, when you're, when you're at that moment where you're going to do the right thing, but you're going through the right thing. Do you understand? That's when you're the weakest and he's waiting for that opportunity to strike because he's very strategic. He's not stupid. He won't strike you when you're strong. He'll strike you when you're weak. Do you understand? And a lot of people have found, uh, been very weak during COVID because of all the pressure. And I understand that. But be aware, the devil's watching you and he's waiting for an opportunity. You read in the Amplified. I don't have time right now. But you read verse, if you read verse 13 of Luke 4 in the Amplified, you'll see what it says there. It says that he watched him and held off for a season waiting for a more opportune time. Which means he's very strategic in his attacks. He thought Jesus would be weak because he was fasting. But oh, the devil didn't know that Jesus wasn't weak. His body was weak, but his spirit was strong. And he was able to withstand the attack. But that's why he came at him in the wilderness because he figured, well, you're going to be weak. Well, you're weak in body, but not weak in spirit. And the attack is spiritual. 
even though it tries to come through your body sometimes. So I'm saying all this to say this, and I won't read the whole story, but in Mark, Matthew 4 is the other gospel account of, of, the, of the 40 days in the wilderness. You can read that on your own. But I'm saying all these things to say the following, is that the Lord on August the, on August the 2nd, when he started revealing all this to me, which I've been preaching for the last two weeks, he started talking to me about about Jesus and he said a few things to me. He said these things. He's, basically, this is the list he said. He said, did you notice that Jesus was alone and separated while he was in the wilderness? Notice nobody else was with him? He, didn't, he had brothers and sisters. We know their names. They weren't with him. They weren't delivering care packages to him. A little bit of Jerusalem pizza on the side when nobody's watching. They weren't doing that, right? He was not with his friends. He hadn't even called his disciples yet, so they didn't even exist. Uh, he didn't have any. His mother wasn't there. Nobody was there. He was completely isolated. Yeah. I said, yes, Lord. Where were you going with this, Father? He said, just, just keep writing. Then he said, did you notice that he faced spiritual darkness? Because if you look at it, the fasting is mentioned after the fact that Satan showed up. Did you see that? It said he fasted, was without food 40 days, and afterward he hungered, but it said Satan came to tempt him. Before it even mentions the fast, it mentions the devil. There was a spiritual dark assault. I said, yes, Lord, I see that. And then the, then the third thing he said, and did you, he said to me, did you notice that Jesus, without food, would have been physically weak and tired? Because when you don't have natural food going into you don't there is spiritual food going into him in the word which is going to sustain him under that anointing but to only to a measure you're still going to be have a measure of weakness and tiredness when you're not eating and when you're under a spiritual attack yes. it's two things there's the natural non-food and then there's the spiritual assault and both of those things combined produce a sense of physical weakness and tiredness that doesn't mean you've sinned or failed it just it's just a byproduct of that experience Hey, so he said those three things to me. And, uh, and then he said, but did you notice that he didn't quit? He didn't break to go to Starbucks on the 38th day. He, there wasn't Starbucks. And so some of you think there was, but there wasn't. He didn't stop. He didn't quit. He didn't whine. There's no indication that he whined. He was, he, what did he do? He contended. What does contending mean? It means you fight for something. It means you don't quit. It means there's a in you. I'm sure he wanted to quit in the natural, but the Holy Ghost that led him in was helping him while he was there. Don't you quit. Don't you quit. You push forward. You fight for this. You contend for this. Why? Because he's not just fighting for a fast. He's fighting for the anointing. He was full of the spirit to a measure. And if you look at the wording, it says he was full when he went in, but it said he came out in the power. There's a difference. The Holy Ghost came on him and he was full of the Spirit going in, but he didn't have the same measure of power. He didn't go in with power. He, he, and I usually think the Holy Ghost is the same. It, 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 it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. The words don't mean the same thing in the Greek. He was, the Holy Ghost was with him, guiding him in. But he did not go in with an anointing of power. He went in with the, with the knowledge and the help and the strength of the Spirit. But then he picked up an anointing of power in the wilderness because it says that when he came out, it didn't just say he was full. It says he came out in the spirit of power. He came out in the power of the Holy Ghost. It didn't say he went in in the power. It said he came out in the power. It said he went in with the Holy Ghost, but he came out with the power of the Holy Ghost. There's a difference. He picked something up from the Holy Ghost in that season. 
and that, that anointing, what you may call the mantle, that assignment, that power, that empowerment. Like when Moses came and God said, take your shoes off, then he empowered, he separated him for the assignment to go to Pharaoh and he empowered him and gave him a staff. Then Elisha, he says, I'm, I'm separating you now to this ministry and he empowers him with a mantle. And Jesus goes into the, he separated him from society, right? He was separated. That was a holy experience. He didn't say he took his shoes off, but we know it represents that was a holy experience. And God empowered him for the assignment. He went in with the spirit, but he came out with the power of the spirit. It's different. He came out with an anointing to cast out devils, heal the sick, preach the gospel. And his ministry never started until he came out. So you see here, number one, he was isolated. Number two, there was spiritual attack. Number three, he was tired physically and weak. And number four, he contended and did not quit. And number five, he got it. And he came out victorious. And I said, yes, Lord. I knew what God was, was starting to show me, that this was going to be something to do with me. I didn't know fully until August 30th when he told me about the fast. Then a lot of this stuff made more sense to me. But I did, he didn't really explain it all to me on the second, but he started giving me hints. But then he said, now I want you to turn and look at Jacob's life because there's a great parallel between the life of Jesus and the life of Jacob. And he said, and that parallel applies to you. And I want you to see the season you're about to enter is a parallel season. So would you turn to Genesis 32 with me? Praise God. After all the stuff I've preached to you in the last two weeks about Elisha and about the, the symbolism and the parallels of, of, of Bethel and Jericho and Jordan and the Jordan Plain. Remember, I've been telling you all those symbols and how God has led us from 17, 18, 19, and now 20 is our Hebron year, our Jordan Plain year, where we're, we're picking up that assignment for our lives. Not just the anointing to preach. I've had that for 30 years, but there's an assignment. There's another level of the anointing that we have never entered into that we're about to enter into. In the beginning of 20, there was a time of fellowship and, and, and with spiritual parents. We see that in Elisha. And then there was a great distraction called the chariot of fire, which we see in COVID. And then there's this tearing of the garment, which is the crucifixion of the flesh, which is this fast. It's this wilderness season. And then at the end, Jesus picked it up. He picked it up. We're, I'm picking it up. You're going to pick it up with me. So I've been sharing all that with you. You all remember that, right? You didn't forget all that too quickly, I hope. And so Genesis 32. Now have a look at some beautiful parallels here. Genesis chapter... Genesis chapter 32. And, uh, and Jacob went on his way. He's left Laban. He's coming back into Canaan now. He's got 11 children. If you include Dinah, which they don't list her as a woman, but he had 12 if you include his daughter Dinah. But he hadn't had Benjamin yet. Benjamin was born in the land of promise. All the other 11, including Joseph, were born in Laban's, in, in Padanaram. So he's coming, he's left his unc the uncle's house, he's, who tried to rip him off and all that stuff. Remember, then he goes in, the, the, just to give you a short synopsis, Laban chases him. Yeah. And then the previous chapter, he, th he thinks Laban's going to get really angry, and basically they make amends. They sacrifice to the Lord. They come into a covenant of love with each other. And Laban says, treat my daughters right and don't marry anybody else. And, and, and there will be peace between us and I'll never try to hurt you and you never come and hurt me. And they, and they have this covenant relationship in the previous chapter and then they go to sleep. The very next morning, he's coming now and he's coming, he's crossing the line. He's actually crossing the Jordan, which is, again, you couldn't make this up. I mean, the Jordan represents the demarcation line, the beginning of one and the ending of another. Yeah. And he's crossing the Jordan. He's coming into Canaan. This is a new season for him. And immediately some things happen. And the Lord showed me this is a beautiful parallel to what we're going through. And then Jacob went on his way. The angels of God met him. 
It's an amazing thing. These, were man, these angels were manifesting in physical form. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Maniam. You know, that word in the Hebrew means two camps or dual camp. Do you know why? Because the angels were literally camping where he could see them. And there was one camp of angels here. There was him and his family here. And it's called dual camps. That's astonishing to me. Why do you think God sent those angels? Those angels were there to bring him into that new season, to bring him into that new land. Those angels were required for what was coming. And there's, there's something we haven't talked as much about this year, but there's, there's angels that are being released for our ministry because of this new season that we're in. We've talked a little bit about it, but more is coming. Now watch now. And when Jacob saw them, he said, I already said that. Verse 3, then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, under the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thou shalt speak unto my lord Esau, thy servant Jacob, thus saith, I have so journeyed with Laban, and stayed there until now, and I have oxen and asses and flocks and manservants and women servants, and have sent to tell my lord that I may find grace in thy sight. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau also, he cometh to meet thee with 400 men. And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands. And he said, if Esau come into one company and smite them or kill them, then the other company which is left will be able to escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Jacob, uh, sorry, God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saideth unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy, O Lord, of the least of your mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan. You see it? He's just passed over the Jordan. And now I am become two bands. In other words, I'm afraid. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidest, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sands of the sea, which cannot be multitude in, which cannot be numbered for multitude. And so he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand a present for Esau, his brother. I won't go into all of it, but it lists all the stuff that he gave Esau. There's all the stuff that he gave him. Okay, so I, are you still with me? It's 11.55. I've got till 12.15. Just relax. <laughs> okay. So praise the Lord. He is in this season now. We're almost done. Have a look now. Where did I end there? Now it goes, we're not going to read all the stuff about the gift that he did. He sends him in different waves so that he'll just bless him. And then as he recovers, another blessing wave comes and more camels come and more donkeys come. We don't have to read all that, but he's blessing Esau. Okay. Now go down with me for sake of time. Uh, the, 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 that's what's going to happen the next day. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen the next day with Esau. But remember, he's afraid. Esau's there with 400 men. He thinks in the night he might attack him because he hasn't got the gifts yet. Right? And so uh, he separates his families so that one is on this side and the other's on another side. Now watch verse 22. It's amazing. And he rose up. So let's read verse 21. So went the present over before him. So they're sending the presents over during the night. They're going to present it to Esau in the morning. And himself lodged that night in the company. So there's, this is nighttime now. The guys are going up with the presents. He's divided his family into two groups. And this is now night. Everything's going to come to pass. Everything's going to come to a head in the morning. And he arose up that night and took his two wives 
and his two maidservants, woman servants, and his 11 sons, and passed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over all that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. I want you to see that there was a parallel here between Jacob and Jesus. Jacob separated his family, sent them over, and he is on this side alone. He had a season, albeit one night, of being completely alone. Remember what God said to me? He said, what was Jesus? He was isolated. He was alone. He had a season where he was in physical darkness. This was night. There's a parallel here of Jesus being with spiritual darkness because Satan showed up to attack him. Do you understand? Can you see the pattern? He was alone, away from his family. He was in darkness and he was tired. He didn't sleep at all that night. When you don't sleep, you're tired and you're weak. Jesus is in this place of isolation. There's a spiritual darkness that is present and he's not eating. So he is, there's a weakness and a tiredness that is present. Do you see the parallel there? But what did Jesus do? He contended. And what happened? He got that anointing. He pushed through. What did Jacob do? He contended. What was the result? He picked up that anointing that he needed for his life. Do you see the parallels there? See how God is making this very personal and intimate for me because he's showing me even at the beginning of the year there were similarities and that now I didn't know all of this until I figured out about the fast but that during this fast is a time of isolation. That's why I'm not around anybody. That's why I'm not preaching. I'm not with the congregation. It's a time of spiritual darkness. We keep focusing on the anointing. We're going to pick up the anointing but I want you to remember that the devil's going to show up too because Jesus faced great spiritual darkness while he was in that fast, which is important why you pray and why you pray for me, because there's, I know there's going to be, there's going to be a clash. There is, because that's just the way the Bible says it. That's what's going to happen. There's an isolation. There's a spiritual darkness clash, and there's going to be some physical tiredness and weakness, but I'm going to contend. I'm not going to quit. And I'm going to get what God told me that I'm supposed to get. Just like Jesus did, just like Elisha did, and just like Jacob did. I'm showing you this because he gave me this as a parallel. He's showing me, son, I've got all this planned. You're just figuring things out. I knew it all before you even started. I'm just revealing things bit by bit to you that you can swallow it. You didn't even know what was happening in January, but I did. I orchestrated that. Because you can't enter into this new anointing with a problem in the past. You have to deal with it. But I had to figure it out. I had to deal with his heart. Praise God that he ended up being an Esau and not a, a Saul. Amen? Look at, look, at the, look at the perfection of God, Taylor. And with the, the fear that was here when the other situation and how angels were dispatched and, and it got thrown out. And even the lawyer, the, 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 the criminal lawyer said in 25 years, he's never seen a case like that before. He said, I've never seen them ask me to throw it out. He said, I'm always asking them to throw it out. They contacted him and said, we'd like to throw this case out. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's angels behind the scenes working, my brother and sister. That's angels. Now he says here, uh, he's in this isolated away from his family. He's in the darkness and he's at night. He's not sleeping. He's not eating. He's, he's tired. And now he wrestles. Look at that now. And he wrestled with a man. What, what verse are we in? 
24, and Jacob was left alone at night and there he wrestled a man and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. We know it's the pre-incarnate Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, because it says later that he was the Lord and angels can't bless you like that. Angels aren't permitted to bless. Only God is permitted to bless. Angels bring messages. They don't lay hands and bless you. So we know this is Jesus. Jesus is actually, and Jesus is, this is a very unique way of saying it, but Jesus was the wilderness for Jacob. Jesus being the man wrestling with him was representing Jacob's wilderness experience. Jesus was, he was God. They don't look at it in a negative way, but he, he was giving something to, for Jacob to contend with. He represented the wilderness and Jesus was about to go into his own wilderness. Do you understand? Because there has to be some kind of contending to get the prize. It, it's, it's too precious to fall on people without any effort, without any sacrifice. It's, it's free, but it's not cheap. And it's too precious for you just to say, oh, give it to me, like ripe apple off a tree. There's got to be a contending for it. Jacob's wilderness was one night wrestling with the man. Jesus' wilderness was 40 days fasting. But both had that experience. You see the pattern. And so uh, he, he says now in verse 24 that he's wrestling to the break of day, that all night he was wrestling. That's a long time. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, this is the Lord, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the man didn't let go. Can you imagine the pain? His hip joint is out of place. And he's still wrestling. He's contending. He won't let go. Even through pain, he won't let go. Jesus suffered some pain, I'm sure, when he, with the weakness of fasting. And there's going to be some pain that we're going to suffer as we do our individual fasts. But we're not going to let go because of pain. I'm, see, I'm serious. Praise God. And he says... Uh, and he said, verse 26, let me go for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. In other words, there's an anointing that I need. I'm not stopping until I get that. Oh my, this is, uh, this is what separates Jacob as a great man of God. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, thou hast power with God and with man and hast prevailed. Amen. The word Israel in the Hebrew means one that has wrestled, contended and prevailed as a prince. You study it. The word Israel in Hebrew means to contend as a prince and prevail. So basically what he's telling him is the definition of his name. That's why he named him that. You have acted like a prince, not like a pauper, not like a, not like a, you know, a peasant, not like somebody that's dishonorable. You've acted like somebody of royalty. You've impressed me, Jesus is saying. You have contended and fought for something even through darkness, isolation, uh, even with feeling pain in your hip. You have not quit. You have contended like a prince. And you know what? You've prevailed. You've won. <laughs> Therefore, I'm going to give you power. What did he say? Power. Did you see it? 
Is it just me that's making that up, or does it say that? Verse 28, thou, thy name shall be called no more Jacob but Israel, for as a prince thou hast got power with God and with man and has prevailed. You contended, you prevailed, and you got power. Amen. Did you notice he said with God and with man? It's very important because we don't just need power with God, we need power with man. We need favor with man. We need the power of God to manifest in front of men. There was a blessing that came on Jacob. The people around him recognized God is on him. That's the power with men. And God himself approved of him. I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, we're coming into a season where people around us, around you, because you're a carrier of this mantle, and around me, and the ones that watch this ministry, there's going to be people that take note like the people that lived around Jacob, and they're going to say, God is with them. I don't know how to explain it. I don't even like it maybe, but I can't deny it. There's something on them. That's called having power with man. And we're going to have power with God, meaning God's power is going to flow and move that more and in greater dimensions than we've seen thus far. Because when God says, I give you my power, that means that, that, means that more is going to manifest through your life. So I want you to notice that in this scenario, he contended as a prince, he prevailed, and he got power. That's why his name was changed. And I believe in this season, we're going to contend. Well, I can speak for me. I'm going to contend. I'm going to pray and seek God like I never have before for that long period of time. I'm going to give it my all. I'm the, despite pain, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to contend. I'm going to prevail. I'm going to get through this and I'm going to be stronger because of it. And I believe that the same way that he said, I give you power now with God and man, Jesus received the power of the spirit and came out of the wilderness. Elisha received the power of the mantle and crossed back over Jordan. I believe that I'm going to get something from God in this season. It's going to be the power of God. I'm telling you with all my heart, I believe that. Praise God. The Lord also said something else to me. He said, did you notice? Well, let's keep reading because it says here. And, uh, and Jacob answered and said, tell me, I pray thee, what is your name? And he said, wherefore is it thou that thou ask me my name? In other words, it's not your place to know my name. Now watch it. And he blessed him there. That word in the Hebrew means that Jacob knelt before him and Jesus lay, put his hands upon his head and pronounced a blessing. When he did that on Jacob, on bended knee, on that glorious morning, it's because he had contended and prevailed like a prince. And when he blessed him, he imparted something into his life, and it was power. It was favor, and it was the blessing to, with people around him and with God himself, something was transmitted to him. And that's what's going to happen. I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. And Jacob called the place, of the, the name of that place, Peniel. He said, for I have seen God face to face, and my life has been spared. And watch, he passed over Peniel, and the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. That means he limped. Therefore the children of Israel eat not the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, even unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew that it shrank. So I just kind of ignored that scripture, because I thought, oh, that's got nothing to do with me. Right. I mean, it's shanks and his thighs and loins. I don't know what he's talking about. People don't eat it now. I'm not a Jew. I eat the thigh, the loin, whatever it's called. I eat it all. I eat the oxtail. I eat everything. So I, I ignored that. But the Holy Ghost brought my attention to it. And he said, son, stop being so silly. This is not the physical thing of food I'm talking about. I'm giving you a parallel, a symbolic parallel here. He said, what is the parallel? Because I, I ignored that verse. 
because it was about eating stuff. And I thought, well, I eat everything, so it doesn't apply to me. See how carnal I can be? He said, I'm not talking about the food, Craig. I'm trying to show you a parallel here, a, a symbol, a type and a shadow. He said, what did it represent? Every day from that night, he limped. Why? Not because God wants you sick. That's not the message. He limped because God marked his flesh by that experience. God marked him. Every, he was always to remember that experience. Everyone that saw him saw a mark on him. Something happened to that man. And I don't know what. I don't know. I'm not going to put, let my mind, but he, Lord, and I don't think it's going to be a physical thing. I don't think I'm going to grow a third nose or something that people, or a third eye, a second nose, third eye. I don't think it's going to be like that. But I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, he said, I'm going to mark you in this 40 days and you're never going to be the same again. And he said, you are going to always remember this day, this season of your life. It's a demarcation line from the past into the future. And he said, others are going to notice something different about you. There is a mark that is coming upon you. Now, I don't know what he meant. Maybe he'll make me go bald. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't think it's anything physical. I think it's just a mark, a mark in my heart, a mark. It's going to be so dramatic. It's going to be so impartational for me that it's going to set me. It's, I'm going to remember it forever. I don't think there's anything physical like with him. I think it represents something. So there's coming, that we're coming into a season. <laughs> the, the beginning of the year has ha happened exactly as God said it. Angels have been released, not just to help with the beginning of the year, but to get us into this new, this new thing. And we're separating ourselves. There's going to be some attack of darkness, but that's okay. There's going to be some aloneness. There's going to be some tiredness and weakness, but that's okay because we're going to contend. And we're going to say, Jesus, I'm not leaving until I get what you ask, what you have for me. And I believe he's going to look at me and you because we're all doing it together. And he's going to say, because as a prince, you've prevailed, contended and prevailed. Here, I'm going to impart to you and bless you. And that whatever that anointing is for your future that you need, you're going to get it. And I'm going to give you power. And it's going to do something to mark us. It's going to mark us going forward. I'm not going to be the same person when I come back. I'm just telling you I'm not. I, you say, well, what could 40 days really accomplish? I don't know, but I just know that when you're in the presence of God and you, and you cut away everything else but God, he can shape you and mold you and cut things off you and change you and, and just better you in a way that you could never do with no self-help course or no diet. Do you understand? And it's a 12, 11, so I have four minutes, so just relax. Let me give you one more verse. Because he said to me, keep reading. Jesus got that power, Elisha got that power, David got that power, Joshua got that power, Jacob got that power. The pattern of God is all through the Bible. It's too precious to be given cheap. You've got to contend for it. This is my great contending day. He called it the mental moment. He said, son, you're in the mental moment. So let's do it. Now then he took me to Genesis 33. We won't read the whole thing, but he goes off. He lifts up his eyes. You, you'll see that's when Esau and him make up. That's in the next chapter. But go down to, after they've done all that, go down now. Esau goes back to his home in verse 16. Now have a look at verse 17 of Genesis 33. Jacob journeyed. Now he's done this whole thing now, right? It's over. So he's leaving. He's leaving Peniel. And Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built him a house. And made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the name of that place is called Succoth. Do you realize that there is something called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Succoth? 
one of the seven feasts, which is the last of the seven feasts of the, of, of the Israelites that they still celebrate today, is called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Succoth. Why? Because it's where he made little tents and little rooms for his animals and he built a house and he spread himself out. And that's called the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. Succoth. That's what it's called. That's what it is. And for all the thousands of years, Israelites, for seven days, they would have these little tents that they would make and they would live outside like in little booths or tents because like Jacob made stuff for his animals, they would do that as an honor to God, what he did for Jacob. And that is why the thousand year millennial reign of Christ is the full manifestation of the feast of booths, tabernacles, or succoth because it's Jesus coming into the earth, sitting on his throne in the physical temple in Jerusalem, and he will tabernacle with human beings for a thousand years. It is the manifestation of succoth. But the Lord said to me, what does it represent, son? He had been living in somebody else's favor, Laban. He'd never had his own because he lived in Laban's house. He'd never had his own. He comes and I bless him. And what's the first thing he does? He builds himself a house. And he's got such wealth and such increase that he has to build all these little mini houses everywhere to house his cattle and his wealth. And the Lord said to me, the season after the blessing, he spread out. And he said, the season's coming, son. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless your church. And he said, you're going to have to get another building. Wait, I'll tell you the right time. But this is a time, remember I said, the foundation years have been laid and it's a time to build. What did Jacob do, Greg? He built. This is a season we're coming in, in the new year, because we've passed our Jordan. We've passed our, our phase now of the contending and of the picking up of the mantle. And we've entered into this new phase of ministry starting in 2021. And just like Jacob came in that new phase, he went to a place and he spread himself out and he built and, he, and the increase had a place to settle. The Lord said this season is going to have increase and there's going to be more building I don't know if it's a physical building for a new sanctuary or if it's other areas. Listen, Oasis is one of our booths. Yes, the airplane is one of our booths. Yes. Remember, he built booths and little tents, tabernacles for his, for his increase, which were his animals. But I don't have animals. Well, I have a dog. We might be getting a cat now. I don't know. But, but I'm not talking about physical animals. Our increase are not animals and donkeys. Our increase is what God's given us. Yes. We may need other booths or buildings for people to sit but we also have Oasis as one of them and the planes and the hangar and this and that. It's all coming. But he said, there's more coming. <laughs> he said, I blessed him until he got to that place like you. But he said, after he, after he left that season and went into the land of promise, the blessings increased. And he said, I'm going to bless you with more people. I'm going to bless your building. I'm going to bless your efforts. And you're going to build, you're going to settle down. Instead of it being wandering, you're going to settle down, praise God into this anointing. And I'm going to start building you. There's years of building, not foundation laying, building, just like he built a house. Amen. I said, Lord, you're so kind. I didn't expect that. I'm just focused on just trying to honor you and contend right. He said, but I know you're going to do it. I want you to know what's coming next year. Increase is coming, son. Increase is coming, son. Increase is coming. If you just be faithful to me, if you just obey what I tell you to preach and do what I tell you to do, you can't help but increase. Amen. Praise God almighty. Hallelujah. We are having the season of Jacob right now, brother. We've been having it all year. We're about to enter into our isolation and our darkness and our weakness moment. But in it is going to come out if we contend and don't quit. It's going to come out with a blessing. Yes. Hallelujah. And we're going to be marked by it. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Please know that God's hand is on this in a supernatural way. Hallelujah. The Lord is so good. Amen.